the point of cooking is to be self-sufficient and improve your own self-esteem. The point of cooking is to feed yourself mind, body, and soul, and then feed other people. The point of cooking is not to show off. The point of cooking is simply existence and having more fun while you're here. Welcome to Teach Me Something New. I'm your host, Britt Morin, and this is a production of iHeartRadio and Brit & Co. All my life, everyone's told me I should focus on being good at one thing. But the truth is, I'm curious about a lot of things. But how do you learn about everything? The answer? Make the world's best experts teach you in less than an hour. So come along with me as we all learn something new. In today's episode, we're chatting with the one and only Rachel Ray. I'm so inspired by this woman. She's someone who has truly found a way to turn her passion into an empire. I've had the honor of being a frequent guest on her show, and my co-founder Ange and I recently had the chance to drop by her studio to try and soak up all of her cooking secrets. Hey guys, it's Britt and Ange, and we're talking about cooking today. Ooh, we're getting fired up in the oh kitchen. My g- oh shoot! You know, would you consider yourself a good cook? So I consider myself a creative and efficient cook. Ooh, what does that mean? I like experimenting with lots of ingredients, but I feel like in the last couple of years, mostly because of kiddos, I have to do everything really fast. Mm -hmm. And it's like about perfect preparation and sort of like mixing ready-made things with homemade things and like that vibe. Do you repeat your meals? Oh, yeah. I have go-to meals. Like what? I always like doing a chickpea or lentil pasta with homemade, but I do homemade pesto. And just vegetarian, FYI. Yeah, and I need protein, so, and all I want to eat is pasta. Is chickpea your favorite? Oh, the chickpea pasta. Yeah, not with actual chickpeas and lentils. Okay. It's all about pasta substitutes and a toddler. I have now bought like 80 <laughs> versions of different forms of pasta. I've Me got too. veggie, lentil, mixed veggie, like black chickpea, bean, black edamame, bean, a beet carrot blend, oh, which yeah. is like purple. Oh, yeah, squid. No, I don't do that. Well, that's like a, no, that's a classic Italian flavor. It's not actual squid. <laughs> Clearly, I cook. It's a not, lot. and it's vegetarian. I consider myself more of a baker than a cook. Yes, I, I can cook. I can follow recipes. I can get creative. Mm-hmm. It's just not as fun and creative to me as baking. Because you like the art piece, the art of baking. Yeah, and it feels more scientific and precise. Interesting. No. Yeah. The biggest struggles, though, for me, like you, are time. Yep. Like we're working women. We're working girls. Working girls. Hey. We're moms. Career woman. Ew. Business partner. No. Gross. <laughs> um, so I was actually intrigued by Rachel Ray from an early age because it's like 30-minute meals. I know. Throw it on the table. Yes. I'm really excited to chat with her today to get more tips. I totally agree. And actually, we're recording on location at the Rachel Ray studio in New York City. We've been sneaking around a bit, and it smells good in here. Rachel, thank you so much for joining us to teach me something new about cooking. Sure. What would you like to know? Everything. <laughs> well, Brett, Where do we start? And, uh, I don't think we have quite enough hours in the day to give you everything all about right. cooking. All right, all right, all right. Yeah. Okay, before we get into cooking, though, let's talk about your business a little bit. So you've got your TV show, countless cookbooks, multiple product lines. I am a hard worker. I like to draw. I like to draw furniture. I like to draw dishes. I like to draw food and recipes. So I'm a very creative person, and I see things in pictures. So I just go to work every day and try and make the pictures sort of happen. What's how you measure success? The that you the Just the, getting up getting, and, and working. And, yeah. and at the end of the day, if I 
am capable of being grateful for it, whether it was what other people would consider a good day or a bad day Mm -hmm. or a fun day. Mm -hmm. Can I find gratitude for that day? Mm -hmm. That, That is a successful day. Yeah. I don't care about things. I never have. When I made next to nothing, I tried to provide and share for my family and with my friends. I have never gauged my life by what other people uh, consider the, the markings of success. In fact, many times in my life, I play long ball. Hmm. Many uh, times in my life since I've had the choice and since I've owned you know, uh, television shows and rights to this and that. And I've made business deals never based on money, but based on quality of life and how much money I could pay other people. Hmm. The only reason I go to work is for the work itself because it's fun and I enjoy it. And when it's not fun, I'll work at something else. Yeah, I love that. What about the the show? Can you even keep track? Do you have favorite guests? Do you have favorite moments? Or does it all blur Uh, You know, every day is so different here. Uh, There's always something surprising and fun in it. Over the years, of course, our favorite moments. For our 2000th episode, Oprah hosted me. All of the guests were a surprise, other than Oprah, of course. I knew Oprah <laughs> was going to be here. Um, I wish somebody had told me that my husband was going to be here because another surprise guest was my mad crush, <gasps> 50 Cent. Uh-oh. <laughs> Curtis um, made me a video from the set of Power uh, apologizing that he couldn't be here. And while I was hugging the monitor saying, oh, thank you for sending me your, your best wishes. And he is standing behind me holding flowers uh, in a Tom Ford suit. Uh, oh, my gosh. Yeah, that was really hot. sweet. Yeah, it yeah, was hot. And then I climbed hot. it like a tree. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> and the entire time, my husband, John, my poor He's sweet backstage. John. Backstage. Oh, watching. no. Yeah. Did you have a little talk that night? <laughs> no talk is really um, more like watching John be really sad. Aww. Like there wasn't yelling. It was just like I had kicked a puppy. Yeah. A lot, repeatedly. Aww. It was terrible. I felt really Me bad. Me and my husband have our list, right? It's, <clears throat> the, it's, it's Oh, well, John it's, has a list too, of course. Some yeah. Hayek is the top of it. He's always like, why could, uh, welcome, you couldn't bring her home. Exactly. <laughs> you know, you got to give one to John now. <laughs> The problem is everybody who's ever been on my list, I have fed them or they have come to the show. Uh-oh. So and the way to a man's it, heart it really pisses him is off through a his lot. stomach. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I see that. Yeah. So yeah. So I mean, going back to your show, a lot of cooking shows and cookbooks, I feel like are super intimidating. Like I just want to watch them, but that's I don't not the do. message of anything that I touch or am a part of. Uh, I want people to feel good about themselves. This is not aspirational television. One day, maybe you can listen. I make great food. I, I write great food. Uh, and I make meals here that I'm proud to share with people. And I put very special meals in my most recent cookbook. My 26th cookbook is a mashup memoir and food from my private life. So there's things in there that take three days to make, you know. Mm-hmm. But I write in a style that's not intimidating for mm-hmm. people. So that literally anyone, whether it's a, a great chef or someone who uh, cooks very infrequently or just lives on meat and potatoes, mm-hmm. they don't have to be intimidated by it. That's my job is to make you feel good. Even if you hate me, you could do what I do and feel a little bit better. Absolutely. That's my goal. How did you get into cooking? Did someone teach you I how to cook? I grew up working or? in restaurants. There's no okay. choice. Well, first of all, it's an Italian family. My, my mother's side of the family is Sicilian. My mother is one of 10. My grandpa was one of 14. In large families, everyone knows the basic skills of life. Everyone can take care of themselves, provide for themselves, and cook, period. But my mom worked in restaurants for 60 years. She didn't like strangers watching her children, so we were simply at her side. I'm the only one of her children that chose food as a profession. Um, 
but I like it. It's an innocent way to make a living. And now I get to do everything, really. I get to travel. I get to talk to presidents and first ladies and movie stars. The thing I'm most proud of with our show is that we don't always have celebrity content. We let people see themselves. Everyone is of equal importance to me. And I think that that's what I want the show to project. And I think that's why we're still here after 15 years, quite frankly. Yeah. You know, thousands of shows over the last 20 years alone have come and gone, mm -hmm. especially in daytime television. But if you look at the the grand scope between cable and syndicated uh, TV, it's astronomical the the amount of shows that have come and gone in the in the 15 years I've been here and certainly in the 20 years I've been at Food Network. So you've inspired this whole generation with things like 30-minute meals. Mm -hmm. I'm curious how you adapt the way you teach cooking skills to new like new you trends in the market. You have to study. You have to be curious and you have to study and you have to write for what people want. You know, I've gone through so many I'm, you know, I'm 50 years old, so I've gone through all the trends of I never want to touch another carb. I can't eat this. I don't eat that. I'm allergic to everything. Now we're into flexitarian, pescatarian, vegan, vegetarian, keto, alternative diets, keto. Intermittent fasting. Exactly. Uh -huh. um, my own mother became a vegetarian at 84. Sicilian lady. I mean, that just doesn't happen. Wow. You know, a lot of my friends are mixed couples in that the the wife is a pescatarian and the husband mixed, is meat and potatoes. Mixed yeah. couple. I'm, a mixed oh, wait, couple. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm a mixed couple. Oh, vegetarian. Yeah. Uh -huh. Meat eater. I'm a meat eater. Yep. A, a lot of my, my my neighbor across the street, meat and potatoes husband yeah. and Manish, total vegetarian, occasional pescatarian. He'll pick at a little piece of fish. <laughs> but generally speaking, he's a vegetarian as well and fell madly in love with a meat eater. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So there, you know, I... You have to learn all of those disciplines and respect them equally and be proficient in them. That's my job. It is my job to deliver people what they expect and what they want to eat. And, and it's like being a waitress. I have to bring them what they, they're ordering, you know, what they're daydreaming about. Or I, I will be out of work. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's mm -hmm. simply that, you know. Plus, you also have to try and stay relevant to the yeah. next generation. Mm -hmm. A thing that I'm very grateful for and very proud of as a woman who's 50 plus is still being relevant and asked to be a part of the Food Network app in the kitchen, you know, making new 30 minute meals for millennials mm -hmm. and for new generations, uh, making three minute meals as short videos for our own content on, on our site. I need three minute meals. Seriously. I know. They're really <laughs> what fun. What is that? Like a they're cake really a fun. cup kind of Quesadillas, thing? Quesadillas, egg foo young. Microwave meals? Uh, no, they're not no? microwave. <laughs> Please. Come on. That's for Dude, I don't even use a microwave. I, I never, ever, ever. My husband occasionally heats up something in it. I don't even know what. I've made cake in a mug before and it tasted good. Well, I don't have a microwave. No, thank you. <laughs> good girl. Yeah. Do you have an instant pot? No. <laughs> Although I respect them. I just don't have room. Yeah. My apartment in New <laughs> York is shockingly tools. tiny. And I just don't have room for anything but yeah. the basics. Upstate, I have an enormous kitchen, but I'd rather use the space for ingredients. And I don't I don't even have a crock pot because your oven is a crock pot. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you put a Dutch oven in the oven at 175 degrees, guess what that is? 175 <laughs> degrees. Why do I need some plastic plug-in thing that's a pain in the ass to clean Fair. when I own a pot in an oven? I paid for the <laughs> oven. I own the oven. Just make sure you have a good oven. Who doesn't right. any crap oven turns to 175? <laughs> Same deal as your plug-in pot. 
and people are like, well, it's not safe to leave your oven on. You think it's safe to leave the $20 electric no. appliance plugged <laughs> Wait, in all day? We saw what happened on Please. This Is Us, everybody. The crock Please. pot exploded the house. Please. Yeah, we learned that lesson. A lot easier to leave the pot in the oven. It probably costs a little more than your crock pot. So there but any maybe other... it keeps the house warm. <laughs> That's a fireplace. Um, <laughs> are there any other kitchen tools that you can't live without? It depends on what you want to eat and how you want to eat. Uh, and that's just the honest answer. If you're a meat and potatoes person, you have to have a cast iron grill or a cast iron skillet, period. Um, if you love Mediterranean food and you, or you're a pasta lover, you need a eight-quart pot to make your pasta in. You need a, a big colander, not a little tiny strainer. You need a pantry that represents however you want to eat. Mm-hmm. Um it, you know, again, if you're keto or pescatarian, you're going to want to have a nonstick, a stainless, and a cast iron. You're going to want a variety of skillets in your life, mm-hmm. depending on uh, what type of protein you're cooking. You know, everybody needs a large cutting board so that you're not cutting on these little tiny things with no workspace. You need a good knife. doesn't have to be the priciest knife in the world, but it should be forged and you should keep it sharp. Mm. Um you need a garbage bowl. You put a bucket on the counter so you don't waste a lot of steps. So many people of... don't know this. The garbage bowl if is If you work in restaurants, which I think everybody should do Agree. as a teenager, you know, like if you live in certain parts of the world, you have to give a couple years in the army. Right. Everybody should have to work in a restaurant. And retail store. Both. Well, it's the same sort of vibe. <laughs> you have to learn how to deal with people. Service. It, yeah. Yes. You have to learn how to accept other people's personalities. Right. And try and get along with them. Yeah. Um, you have to learn how to multitask and do more than one thing at once. Mm-hmm. But working in a restaurant, you learn how to work smart in, in the kitchen mm-hmm. and how not to waste steps or time. Everything is prepared before you begin to cook. The mise en place, everything in its place. Mm-hmm. So you prep everything you need or at least put what you need in front of you so you're not running around like a chicken with your head cut off. Mm-hmm. Which is such a horrible thing. <laughs> <laughs> Especially in cooking. I feel like that's the wrong term to use. Yeah. I know. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. All right, Rachel, Ange and I need some help. Um, we brought our biggest kitchen dilemmas that we've been dealing with and want your advice on. So can we get some You tips? even wrote them down. I did, so I didn't want to forget them. <laughs> well, All the right, first one is the biggest one. I have two young boys, three and five. They're very picky. They won't eat vegetables. That means you're very picky. 
Ooh. I eat vegetables. Mm. It means that you have dumbed down their food since they could chew. Uh-oh. Otherwise, they wouldn't be picky. If you give a child exactly what you're eating for dinner, which is all my mom ever did, they'll eat or they won't eat, and I guarantee you they're not going to starve themselves. You eat a carrot, you give that kid a carrot. Kid doesn't like the carrot, you have to go a minimum of six times, and some doctors say 20 times before a child knows if it really likes or dislikes In their mouth or flavor. on the plate? No. Okay. And, and, well, what is leaving it <laughs> well, on a plate do for like anybody? Exposing them to the food, they have to see it a lot. Then they the have next to taste thing it you have to do is keep children, literally from infancy, in the kitchen with you, so they uh. see food and they're not afraid of food, and they feel it's a collaboration that everybody's excited about, yeah. and it's an event that everybody wants to be a part of. Mm-hmm. Let children have ownership from as soon as they can talk. What color do you want to buy when you're in the mm-hmm. produce section? Mm-hmm. And if they say orange, pick an orange and a carrot and a sweet potato. And if they say purple, take home an eggplant and a beet and a cabbage. They call them red, but they're not. They're yeah, purple. They're purple. Um, so let them pick a color. And then they feel vested in the food. Yeah. From the time they can make a fist, put a plastic knife in their hand. And when mm. you're cooking... Let them see you and mimic you with a plastic knife. Make a mess in the kitchen. Don't be so uptight when you're in there. Let children see the fun and the beauty of being able to be self-sufficient and to provide for yourself and the people that you care about. Mm -hmm. My mom never even gave us a certain time that we had to eat or a certain time that we had to go to bed. As long as we were doing something creative and being with family or enjoying life, Hmm. that was that. We had to pay the piper. You had to get up and go to school. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then if your grades fell off or you weren't, or you were giving people flip or attitude, then your punishment would be to have a bedtime or to be removed from this situation or that situation. As long as you respected life itself and being with your family and a, a creative process in some way. We could pretty much do anything we wanted. And the same in the kitchen. We were allowed to be with the grown-ups at the dinner table as long as we were listening more than we were talking hmm. and as long as we weren't rude. And could you eat at any time of the day or did you have yeah. set times? She would, uh, well, my mom worked in restaurants and a lot of the time we were with her and she would say, are you hungry? And she put down dinner, fine. As we got older and we were more like latchkey kids, <laughs> she would leave the food in the fridge. You know, she'd cook on whatever few hours she could steal here and there. She'd cook ahead. And you'd be in charge of it, you know? When you're hungry, put it in a pan and turn it on. Yeah. Or in your case, put it in a microwave, I guess. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> you don't have the microwave. Your case. Her case. Her case. Your case. Yeah, she's it's, baking guys, cakes in a microwave. Guys, it's not like God. every day. It's like maybe once or twice a year. You can heat things break. up in a skillet. Well, let's talk about the Hold on. That brings me to the freezer. Wait, we didn't finish with the picky eating children. <laughs> okay. We'll get to the freezer I have in a more advice on the picky eating children. Okay, keep going. Hide it, like puree it, and uh-huh. add vegetables to tomato sauce, yep. mm-hmm. um, cauliflower to the buttered noodles. Mm. They have no choice. If they're just trying to get the buttered noodle and you have chopped up cauliflower in there, they have no choice but to eat it. Right. That's where what they want is. Yep. So. Sauces. You can mm-hmm. just, you know, puree it, add the butter to the pureed white thing mm-hmm. and right. put it with the noodles. So you puree, puree. it. You hide it. You mask it. Or you make it so they can only get what they want with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, cheese, quesadillas, bread, they hide a multitude of stuff. Oh. And when children, they usually, children aren't picky eaters if you're giving them whatever you're eating until they get to school. And then they're influenced by other kids mm. that were poorly fed. Right. And then they come home and say, what's in that? I don't want it. 
that's when you lie and or become a comedian. When my niece started asking, what's in that area, John? I want I would say, you know, dinosaur boogers or, you know, puppy turds or right. something that would make her laugh. Yeah. And it just say, like, you eat it, you don't eat it, you know. Be hungry. Yeah. Or yeah. Eat. Go, go, yeah. go with God. Again, right. go outside and play then. Sooner or later, you'll get hungry. This is what we're eating. Yeah. Ha- have a nice So don't have all whatever. the snacks and everything else around they're the house. They're not going to starve to death, yeah, man. I know. I know, but if they're like, I'm not going to eat this. I want a cheese stick. Well, don't buy the freaking cheese yeah. stick. My mother, I just tell Anoki that everything has cheese in it, and then she eats it. Dude, no matter what the, it is. The I'm one like, oh, cookie cheese that, in here. The one cookie that we had in my house when I was a kid was the Stella Doro breakfast treat. <laughs> <laughs> like, that was a big deal. Yeah. yeah. My mother just never bought that stuff home. The cheese sticks are, are not bad, though. They serve them for lunches. Okay, I, I, I don't even know what you're talking about. Like oh, fried like cheese sticks. Cheese. Oh, string, string cheese. cheese. That's not string like cheese. A, not like a Armenian fried cheese stick. Oh, mozzarella sticks. Mm. Those are tasty, though. <laughs> I, I, man, I, I don't know. We never had cheese sticks in my fridge. We had cheese, and you could cut a piece of cheese. Yeah. But a piece of cheese was always presented with fiber or fruit. It was mm-hmm. always presented with cut vegetable mm-hmm. and a or fruit, or dried fruit. Yeah. We never just had a cheese stick. For us, everything was bought, the the cheapest way to buy anything is by unit price. You Mm -hmm. never Mm. buy food by the price on the tag or the shelf talker, okay? Mm. You buy things by their unit price. Everything in the world, in a grocery store, and in your food world, whether you buy it online or in a grocery store, has a, a a a weight to it, a measurement right. of some sort. Mm-hmm. The price is the measurement divided into the cost of the food. Right. That is the price per unit of measure. Uh. That is the only way you gauge what you're actually paying for anything. Mm-hmm. So when when I buy spice, cheese, protein, vegetables, I look for the best unit price for the quality of that thing that I want. Mm. I, I don't buy pre-cut or pre-packaged cheese Anything. once in a while. I mean, if it's something simple like, you know, shredded pepper jack or something right. for, you know, topping a chili for a big party or something. Right. Of course I will. Yeah. I'll pay the premium. It's already mm-hmm. shredded. I don't have to take the time to shred it up in the kitchen. Yeah. But generally speaking, no. Mm. I buy a chunk of this cheese, a chunk of that cheese, mm. and you take some of what you need and you go about life. Mm-hmm. I buy bulk spices and in the amount that I need so that I can keep the spices fresh and always rotating. I buy the produce that I need unless I know it's something that's going to last mm-hmm. a long period of time. Right. I'm failing this test, by the way, already. Everything's a test. <laughs> Was I supposed to grade you on I this? I don't know, but I'm failing. Her life is a test. <laughs> it's always about what grade she is. That's so ridiculous. <laughs> she could do 87 things I can't do. Do you know how bad I screwed up her segment? I blame my parents. I had glitter all over my face. <laughs> A gl- I glue all over my fingers. <laughs> she was delicately doing this and that and the other. I'm like a Mack truck. My parents used to reward me $20 for straight A's and soccer goals. And it you like $20? I know. For and going it to school? Messed up my whole life. Everything's a test up. now. <laughs> sorry, sorry. But- oh my God. That's amazing. Okay, quest, quick. You have drop in guests. You didn't know they were coming. You don't have any fresh food. What do you make? What's in the freezer you pull out? Well, again, always in the freezer. There's chilies, there's pasta sauces. In your pantry, you should already be stocked up to make. In my case, we're Mediterranean diet people. Mm-hmm. So I could always make puttanesca. Okay, so spicy red tomato sauce with capers and oil-cured okay. olives. 
You melt anchovies into garlicky oil with chilies, and you add canned tomatoes. So puttanesca, aglio olio, garlic and oil pasta. Um, mm. I, have, I have everything in, in, in the cupboard to make a variety of different seafood um, pasta dishes. I always have eggs. Most people have bacon. You can make carbonara. Uh, always in the freezer. Always, always, always. I have compound butters, which we just mm. used in this last show. Can you explain the difference of those butters? A compound butter is when you take a soft stick of uh, unsalted. unsalted butter okay, so that you can control the salt in it, okay? Uh. And... I make deviled butter, or in this past show, I made maquis d'hôtel butter, which is just uh, garlicky herb butter, basically. Uh It has capers and Dijon and a splash of Worcestershire and uh, lemon zest and a splash of lemon juice and dill, parsley, chives. You put all of that into the butter, mix it up, and then you roll it in parchment and keep them in the freezer. And you mark on the outside of the package, this butter, that butter, the other butter. It's good on any protein, any grilled vegetable, Anything, literally anything. Mm. You could put on anything and it it takes it to the next level. Mm -hmm. Always freeze protein of any kind, okay? okay? Shrimp, uh, steaks, chicken. Cooked or uncooked. Raw. Yeah, or, raw. Well, you you can either way. You can freeze cooked food too. That you know, that's you have different to thing. it and it gets all weird. No, no. The important part is you freeze it in portions so okay. that it's quicker to defrost. Okay. If you put an exchange of water in a dish, you know, a large yeah. shallow dish, and you turn the water on and you let it, the water run over the to defrost anything it. to defrost it, it'll happen in just a few minutes. You if it's it individually, in the just kidding. Mm. <laughs> That's disgusting, <laughs> and you're half cooking the food and turning it to rubber and I making told it you really I'm an animal. Rachel, we already <laughs> talked about this. But if you have things that are single portioned, they defrost almost instantly. Always have pestos in the in the freezer. Mm. Always, always, always. Again, put it in a dish of warm water. It'll defrost in just a few minutes. Yeah. Always have in the refrigerator fruits, vegetables, cheese, charcuterie. Um, Condiments. Things, like, things yeah. that you can put together to make a little fruit and cheese board for people so that they can be snacking while you're taking something out of Making the freezer or the pantry. Exactly. I love that. I mean, on and on and on. You could go on with this all day and all night. It, it, you just have to set up your kitchen for how you like to eat. Mm-hmm. And I think it's lovely if people stop by. You know, when my mom was a kid on Sunday, everyone in the on the peninsula on Lake George where she grew up, everyone would come over to their house and stop in. Uh-huh. My grandpa would have to take the kitchen table outside so he could put <laughs> more people around, you know? I love that. Uh, and uh, Italians are just always prepared to feed as many people as show up. <laughs> I know. You know? I want to be Italian in my next life. Everybody can be Italian. In yeah. fact, I actually wrote a book called Everyone is Italian on Sunday. <laughs> on Sunday. <laughs> okay, we're going to end with a little fun game of cooking myth or fact. We'll alternate. Okay, okay. you start. Okay, do you really need to poke a potato before putting it in the oven? Well, yeah, the steam's escaping the potato as it's cooking down. And I never, well, I won't say never. Occasionally for effect, I'll I'll put a potato in foil. Uh, but I always scrub my potatoes with a brush and put a little spray of olive oil on them hmm. and kosher salt and pepper. Potato skins are really nutrient dense. Yeah. And I roast them on a little tray rather than a rack. So that they're like good to go and I can eat the whole thing. Like, and mm. I find people are so weird. They'll go to a, 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 you know, crap bar and they'll order fried potato skins, 
so they include the skins. You go to a steakhouse or someplace that they're overcharging for whatever, right? Right. And they just eat the inside of the potato and they never touch the skin. That's so funny. (laughs) I just don't get it. Yeah. Okay, do you always need to salt your water before boiling it? Never. Never. You always salt water after you boil it. You never add salt to water before you boil it. At least I don't because it can scar your pots. I use coarse salt or kosher salt. And when you put heavy salt into boiling water, it dissipates. It, it, It gets melted before it hits the bottom. When you put it into cold water, it drops to the bottom. It will break down, but it can also scar your pots. It depends on what type of pot you're using, but it's just a habit. I only copiously salt the water that I'm cooking in once it's to a full rapid boil. Mm -hmm. And I always save the salty water right before you drain or remove the pasta to your sauce. It is essential to keep... Um, uh, half a mug, you know, about three quarters of a cup of that water. It's what marries the pasta to the sauce and always undercook your pasta by at least one minute (gasps) because of carryover cooking and it continues to cook Uh, while uh, you're marrying uh, the pasta to the sauce. I know this stuff. Why do you know all this? And I I always use the pasta water. I always like scoop a cup out before I drain it. Hey kids, if you're listening, my pasta's about to get so much better. (laughs) Mama's gonna do some cooking. Okay, rinsing chicken before cooking. Necessary? I, I mean, if your chicken smells, you have a rotten chicken. I <laughs> Chicken is one of those things I buy fresh from my butcher. Uh, I don't know what spreading poultry juice around your sink and kitchen counter is doing for you. Uh, I typically do not. If it is a Thanksgiving turkey or a very large bird, yes, I would give the cavity a check if it needed a rinse and there's a little bit of gizzard or innard yeah. left in there. If it serves a purpose, okay. certainly. But generally speaking, no, no. I'm, I'm pretty good to go. Okay, mm. does cooking remove nutrients from vegetables? Depends on how long you cook something. I mean, if you cook something till it's dead, and yeah, you are you are depleting its nutritional value. You're never going to negate it. Mm-hmm. I mean, a vegetable uh, and a fruit, they're always going to give you uh, nutrients and lots of fiber, and they're good for you. Whether you like canned vegetables or not is up to you. I the, the the fresher you can keep food, the more nutrient dense it is. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't make it unimportant, and it will still be of great nutritional value, even once it's cooked. Uh, I mean, Italian people eat a lot of overcooked green beans, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> it depends on if you live in the country or the city. You know, if you live in the city, things are cooked tender, crisp, and more trendy. If you live in the country, it, things tend to be cooked a little longer. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's about the crock pot and the slow cook mm-hmm. or the braise or you were out working all day and you had to leave things on the stove literally all day. Mm. Um, but look, eating fruits and vegetables is great for you. And then honestly, I think that the argument about the amount of nutrition that's lost is a little BS. Mm-hmm. I, I really do. I mean, it's it's just good for you. Eat more fruits and vegetables, period. Yeah. Thanks. Eat lots of color, period. I mean, are we really going to you should spend your time looking at how much sugar is in your food, how much additives, how many words you can't pronounce. Mm-hmm. You should not spend your days comparing, well, gee, if I had this <laughs> green beans in a can. <laughs> you know, because I guarantee you, if your ass was hungry and you were standing on line for food, you would love green them beans. Green beans yeah. Yeah. yeah, I love green beans. Oh, my goodness. Okay, we'll make this the last one. Well done meat. Is it safer? Again, it. My mother and my sister will only eat well-done meat, which I think ruins meat, and I'd rather uh, potentially die maybe from even 
some horrible green beans in a can that I don't know about (laughs) and undercooked meat (laughs) than not eat a properly cooked steak. Like I think overcooked meat just like why bother? Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So could you do you can you get more sick from undercooked? Well, you're not going to eat a medium rare turkey burger. Yeah. Chances are you're going to meet Sal, Sal Manila. (laughs) You know what I mean? You know, you're going to get you're going to get some sort of foodborne illness if you eat a lot of undercooked poultry. Right. Uh, you can eat raw meat, of course. Yeah. Steak tartare. Yeah. Uh, and you can eat raw seafood. A lot of people prefer raw food to cooked. It's about where the, knowing where the meat comes from. Mm-hmm. I don't think that overcooking meat is making it safer for you. Ground meats, I would agree. I, I I could see where the argument, if you're buying processed meat and you don't know where it came from, you don't know the butcher that it came from, which I wouldn't do to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, you are safer if you cook the meat patty through, mm-hmm. depending on what's living in it. Right. But it's going to taste like crap anyway, so why would you want it? <laughs> you don't necessarily buy your, your meat. patties down yeah. at the price club. So when you're spending your money at the grocery store, you're spending it on quality meat, you and always, every single person in America should know this. Every single grocery store and website, okay, every place you buy food and every way we buy food has a policy of loss leaders. Shifting specials that are not always seasonal or in tune with nature or whatever, they're just meant to get your business and bring you in. Every time there's a great price on great quality meat, fish, chicken, your favorite vegetables, whatever it is, that's when you overbuy something and take the time to put it away properly. Mm. Freeze it, cook it, then freeze it, whatever you're going to do. But every single week or few days, every place that you buy food does that. So that's how you pick if you're living on a limited budget I'm going to make more broccoli this week, and I'm not going to make this this week. You can write down a loose game plan of what you want for your week's meals for yourself or your family of four or six or 12. Who cares? You have to be flexible enough to also be intelligent when you shop and say, oh, I'm going to change the game plan. I'm going to make baba this week instead because look at the price on that. Mm-hmm. Or look at how beautiful the tomatoes are. Or look at how great those green beans are. So you have to be able to switch up the game plan a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's why learning some basics of cooking, how, you know, mm-hmm. the pan needs to be hot first. Then you need some sort of source mm-hmm. of fat to cook the product that's going into the pan. Mm-hmm. Learning basic skills is important. We used to do that in public school in this country. Sad. We don't anymore. Yeah. But you used to be able to graduate high school, know how to cook for yourself, sew on a button, fix a car. I've heard about these days. Yeah. <laughs> they existed. Yeah. And you had BOCES programs where kids could work as teenagers, basically what, what we call interns now. You could go and work in, in a mechanic shop, in a restaurant. You could go out in the world and experience life and learn actual skills that people need to survive. The The point of cooking is to be self-sufficient and improve your own self-esteem. The point of cooking is to feed yourself, mind, body, and soul, and then feed other people. The point of cooking is not to show off. The point of cooking is simply existence and having more fun while you're here. Mm-hmm. 
I love that. It's the bottom it's a line. great way to end this. Yeah. Where would someone go to learn their cooking skills? Well, I don't know. There, There's a woman who's done these 30-minute meals for 20 years now, and they're all really accessible. She's written 26 books on the subject and has currently a magazine called In Season uh-huh. that you can find many things, including three-minute meals and meals and pictures. I'm that going I call for the three-minute meal. Foodles. <laughs> Foodoodles. Foodoodles. I write a meal in pictures every month. We like that. And I write a three-minute meal, and I write all the 30-minute meals every month. And I write every meal we cook for What's for Dinner Tonight in the television show. I write every 30-minute meal for Food Network. I write everything that we do for the app for Food Network app. Oh, my goodness. That's a lot of writing. So so that woman's website is— And uh, you are not reading (laughs) enough of them, Brett. Get your ass into the kitchen and start flipping some bird, man. I'm going to be your intern for a month. Rachel, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks, guys. You were lovely. This was amazing. I'm a failed student, but I'm excited about my future. Thanks for listening to Teach Me Something New, a production of iHeartRadio and Brit & Co. I'm your host, Britt Morin. Send us your feedback and find more information about each episode at Brit.co slash listen. You can also find me on social media at Brit and at Brit & Co. A special shout out to my two co-hosts, Ange, who you can find on Instagram at Angelica Temple. And of course, my husband and partner in everything, Dave Morin. Teach Me Something New is executive produced by Christine Swar and Ali Perry with additional production and sound design by Aaron Kaufman. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. See you next time.